Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now here is this week's message. Yes, we are kind of in the middle of a series that we've been in talking about how God views us and the fact that God looks at us and he sees and he says that we are worth dying for. Uh, Normally, we typically see ourselves through the eyes of others. They become our mirror. So we see uh, usually more often than not when we look in that mirror the negativity that they see us with, the mistakes, the flaws, things that we may not have done right, and that's usually what's reflected back at us. And even though those are a part of who we are, they don't define who we are. So what we've been doing is looking at how God sees us and the potential that he sees us. If you've uh, read through uh, some of the scriptures that, that focus of when Jesus was on the cross, there are seven phrases that he communicated, and in those phrases we can see the potential that God saw in us and the way that he loved us. And normally those are, are kind of shared and focused on during one service over a course of maybe 20 or 30 minutes uh, during a season of land or like on a good Friday. And what we've decided to do is to each week just look at um, the magnitude of those phrases. And we started by saying that God looks at us and he sees that we are worth forgiving. Uh, literally, while he was on the cross, while he was in the process of dying for us, There were people who were ridiculing him, mocking him, making fun of him, scorning him. And he still looked at them and asked that God would forgive them because they don't know what they were doing. That's how valuable, not not that we were that good, but he was that good. And he saw that potential in us. And we said that in we as the church, if we're a Christ follower, then we have a responsibility to extend that forgiveness to others. We also said that when God looked at us, he said that we were worth eternity. Jesus told the thief on the cross that um, this day you will be with me in paradise. And we said that even though this was a thief, this was a man who by all recollection of what we can glean from the Bible committed his life to a life of crime. God said that I want to spend eternity with you. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us can't grasp the aspect of spending eternity with somebody. We're still trying to figure out how to spend more time with our spouses. We're still trying to figure out how to spend or get a break sometimes from our kids. And, you know, the ones that are downstairs, you can say amen because we know that you need a break from our kids. Come on now. Can we be, can we be honest? Seriously, we love them. Thank you. We love them to death. We do. We love them. We cherish them. But God, please give us that moment. I can remember being a kid, and it could be thundering and and pouring outside. And after a couple hours, mom was like, go, go outside. Here's a raincoat and umbrella. Go. Here's money for the movies. Here's cab fare, whatever you need. She just needed a break. And uh, when our kids are in diapers, we kind of want a break from changing them. When they're toddlers, we want to break from chasing them. When they're teens and young adults, we just want to break from chastising them. Uh, We love them to death, but every now and then, we just need that, you know, that breathing room. But God looks at us and he says, I don't want the breathing room. I want to spend eternity with you. 
never-ending, always close together, despite, despite uh, the flaws that he sees in us. And then last week, um, Patty shared about how uh, the fact that we need to focus on not just the relationship we have with God, but also the vertical, the relationship we have with each other, and how God died to create community within us. And I said this before, if, 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 and I believe it is the number one problem on the planet, lack of effective communication. That's the number one problem on the planet, global, Christian, non-Christian, no matter what your political uh, affiliation, no matter what your financial situation, if that is true, the number one problem in the church is a lack of love and respect amongst God's people within our congregations. People who are claiming to be Christ followers, but don't love one another. We talk bad about one another. We gossip amongst each other. You know, we fight over ridiculous things. We split over things that God says doesn't make sense. But the reality is um, God died not so that we could split and grow further apart, but so that we all have this common bond through his blood that ties us together so we can look past all of these differences. So I, I, I believe this with all my heart. I've said this before too. I believe this with all my heart that the church, if we, if we as the church, if we ever get our act together, right, if we ever get it right, and we, not just a single congregation, but as the body of Christ, all those who claim the name of Christ, who believe him, if we ever get our act together and we become the God-honoring, Bible-believing, spirit-filled people that God created us and called us and equipped us to be, then the church will be and should be the single most powerful force in existence on the planet. And that's not just me believing it. That's what Jesus Christ said. He said that literally the gates of hell would not and will not and should not be able to come against the church. And if we ever get it right and start loving one another the way that he called us to, man, this world will be a totally different place. But even though the church is supposed to be the most powerful thing, it's made up of people. And sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we get things wrong. Sometimes we hurt one another, not intentionally. But that's where the forgiveness comes in and the community comes in and the desire to spend eternity with each other. If I know I have to spend eternity with you, then it doesn't make sense for me to get upset over these little things that don't really matter a lot. Does that make sense? So the other thing that God called us to is he called us to be people of sacrifice. Because the church is filled with people, and sometimes we as people have to make sacrifices. Uh, We're going to open your Bibles in a minute, but I'm going to ask you to uh, just look up here for this particular verse. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, uh, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is literally Jesus hanging on the cross. He had already been there. He had been beaten to a pulp, scarred, whipped, hanging on the cross. And he cries out to God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That word literally means abandon me. Why have you left me alone? Why have you turned your back on me? Why have you forsaken me? And God had to forsake him because he was the sacrifice for us. He was the sacrifice for our sins. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Isaiah. We've read through this uh, 
couple of times, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. Isaiah chapter 53. And this is what the Bible calls a messianic prophecy. This is Isaiah uh, speaking about uh, what Jesus would go through. And in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, drop down to verse 7. It says he, and he's talking about Jesus, was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And then if you drop down to verse 10, it says, yet it was the Lord's will, that Lord, Jehovah, God, it was his will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And that justification is talking about the the whole process of us being made right when we put our faith in him since he was the sacrifice for our sins. Verse 12, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Pretty much what, and I said, we've, we've talked about this uh, before, but pretty much what Isaiah is saying is that Jesus Christ was the sacrifice for our sins. Because of our sin, God required that a sacrifice be made to atone for our sins, and Jesus Christ was that sacrifice. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you talk about a sacrifice, there are four elements to a sacrifice. First element, of course, is the sacrificer, all right? Thank you. (laughs) Is the sacrificer. The sacrificer is the person who's willing to make the sacrifice. And in this instance, in this scenario, uh, from an eternal perspective, that was God. God was saying, I am willing to make the this sacrifice. The second element that's needed is a sacrifice, something that's being given up, something that's being put on the altar, something that has to be put forth. And in this instance, that was Jesus Christ. The third element that's needed is a just cause, because here's the reality. No one sacrifices anything unless there's a reason or purpose. You don't sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice if there's not a reason or purpose for it. And here's the fourth thing. Usually there is an outcome. Now, here's, here's what happens with us. We're willing, you know, just like God and if we're Christ followers, we're willing to be the sacrificer. We're willing to give up some stuff. But usually it's only if we get to pick the sacrifice. We're not willing to give up money if instead, can I just give time? We're not willing to give up time if instead, can I just give some money? As long as we're willing to pick the sacrifice, then we say, okay, I'll be the sacrificer. We're also willing to pick the reason. I get to determine, you know, is that, is that a good reason for me to give up my time or for me to give up my money, despite what the culture may say or what the church may say, or even sometimes despite what God says, we get to make the call. And then the outcome, the outcome of, of Jesus' sacrifice was literally eternal life for all humanity that are willing to accept it. 
And I've said this before. People say that uh, Christianity is the most inclusive, you know, faith out there because they say that, you know, you say that there's only one God and it's not. It's, it's open to anyone. God didn't put a doorway and say, you got to be this tall. You got to do this. You got to do that. He just says, anyone who is welcome to come, anyone, anyone who wants to walk in and accept him and just accept the sacrifice, the sacrifice that he made so that we can open a door. Now, problem is from God's viewpoint, when we put ourselves in that position and we start determining what we will do and what we won't do, it's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice if I'm giving up time that I really don't care about anyway. It's not a sacrifice if I'm giving up money that I had to give away anyway. It's not a sacrifice unless to some degree it hurts a little, causes a little bit of pain, causes a little bit of angst. You can call it a donation, which a lot of us do, which is a big difference between a donation and a sacrifice. So here's what I'm going to do. We have, uh, many of you guys remember Darren and Trish. Um, They've been with us for a while, and then they have struck up with uh, the Anglican Church to plant a church in Cannonsburg. And so they're going to come up and talk a little bit about that, some of the trials, sacrifices, and hardships that they've gone through. So would you just give them a warm welcome? I guess before we start, let me just say that, you know, um, give you a little update on my health. Uh, as you know, last year in February, I was diagnosed with stage 3 cancer, um, endometrial cancer, and after going through 25 sessions of radiation, um, five sessions of chemo, and three sessions of internal radiation, and then they gave my body a break for a month, and then I had to have surgery in August. Um, I am cancer-free today. So. <laughs> Just to let you know that, you know, I still go every three months for a checkup and stuff like that. Um, they're still saying that, you know, they still find some abnormal cells, but that's still normal being so close and everything. Um, they said, you know, it usually takes like about a year before everything actually shows up all normal. But still pray for me. But, um, yeah, so today I am doing well. So just to let everybody know my status at this time. Well, it was about a year ago in January that I stood on this platform and said, I give up, I surrender, God have your way. (laughs) Sacrifice? Yeah, I didn't realize the sacrifice that we were going to make. When you make a decision to give up and say, God have your way, be ready for an onslaught of the devil. Because that's when things come like cancer and, and you go through it. But I am thankful for the people that said we're praying for you. Because in those months, you know, it came to a time where it felt pretty lonely. And we're all family here. You guys have kind of journeyed with us in this. There were some times taking my wife to the doctors and and taking care of our kids and doing everything that I kind of lost the vision somewhere there and felt pretty lonely. And I fell into some issues of my own and we had to step back from the church plant in Denora and we started attending St. David's Church 
for healing. And I had to become accountable to several people in my life. When you make a decision to follow God, make sure that there are people around you who are holding up your arms. We left this church and we showed up from time to time just to check in. And that was a mistake. Because we should have been around the people that held our arms up. I'm thankful for the people that came to our door during that time and brought us food. I'm thankful for Judy. She's not here this morning, but she actually came in and she sat down and spent time with us and talked with us and kind of loved on us. I'm thankful um, one of the bishops of the Anglican Church, he lives way up in the top of Ohio, and he was able to call us from time to time. But What an incredible thing, though, that God brings you. I felt like Job at times. God just... Slay me and let me die because I'm tired of dealing with it. But as we came to the end and as we started going to St. David's and submitting to the leadership there at the Anglican Church, God began doing a healing. And the healing was because of your prayers and everybody's prayers around us. It was because of those that were holding our arms up. And I'm so thankful that the sacrifice has been worth it. It has been worth it. And God sees us through every situation and he doesn't ever leave us. We feel like it sometimes, but let me tell you, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And in the end, we come out whole. And in the end, we come out stronger than we were before. And God blesses and does things. Some of you may not know, we made that decision to plant in Denora and we said, okay, yes, God, after, after a big old fight, with God. I said, okay, I give up. This year in January, we were attending St. David's and and I went to the pastor there and I said, okay, I'm ready to plant in January. And I believe just like Abraham, God was just looking for obedience because a few months before that, the pastor approached us and said, I want you to pray about planting a church in Cannonsburg. We have a core group. We have a budget. And we're going to have a building. And I don't know if y'all have the slide thing. <laughs> if you are faithful and you trust him and you make the sacrifice to God, he provides. And he sees you through. <laughs> we were so blessed. Um, the Anglican Church came behind us. And we were, we, they have a, uh, there was an Episcopal church. Let's give you a little bit of history about the Anglican church. The Episcopal church, as you know, um, had a split. And a lot of the congregation came off and they started up an Anglican church, which is actually based out of Africa, believe it or not. And you're saying, well, I never heard of Anglican. Um, everybody know Prince William? Yes. Did you know he was married in an Anglican church? Okay. Most churches in England are Anglican. Um, That's where he was married. So it gives you a little bit, you're like, I never heard of it. Well, you have. You just didn't realize it was an Anglican church. Um, But anyways, the ones here in the United States are actually based out of the African Anglican church. And the best way that I can explain Anglican faith is they are Baptists. 
full-blooded Baptists. But <laughs> they have the hierarchy of the Catholics. Okay, there is a bishop. There is, you know, you got your then your lay pastors, and, you know, you, he's a lay pastor. You have your, um, what's, priests. I, I, I know, I don't know what to call them because they don't actually... But you don't go up and call them father or anything like that. They just have the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Um, when we, when the Anglican Church, St. David's, came to the Pittsburgh Catholic Diocese um, and asked them about St. Genevieve uh, Catholic Church that was has been empty for quite some time, sitting in Canonsburg, needed a lot of work, they went and asked the Pittsburgh Catholic Diocese, would you be willing to rent this to us with the possibility of purchase. They didn't even hesitate. They said, we are all behind you. We will help you in any way, sure. So we signed a 12-month lease with them um, at the beginning of February. And we thought we had to do a lot of work. I mean, there was holes in the walls. Um, there was a water fountain coming down the one wall and when it rained. I mean, there was a lot of work to do. Darren went into the church a couple weeks ago, and I guess the Catholic diocese had gone in and repaired all the walls for us. Um, they did fix the piping that was, and then they're still working on the waterfall in the wall. But <laughs> they had come in, not asked for another set, and fixed everything for us. And I was just like, wow. Um, there is a church in Denora that is not doing too good. Um, they are down to just a handful of members getting ready to close. We live in Denora, and we thought, you know, this is where God wants us. This is, you know, I'm here for a reason. This is where God wants us. Um, and we had all intentions of planting, you know, helping the church grow and plant right there and helping this church out. Um, we, we talked to the bishop and everything, and he gave us permission to use the building to help start up another church there in that building. Um, and then they had a church meeting with the, because they had to approve it, the um, leadership there. And we heard some of the comments come back. We don't know who said it, but we heard, you know, they, they told us some of the comments came back. One lady says, finally, this is ex it's great, you know, we can grow this church. And another lady said, no. Let's just hand over the keys to the Episcopal Church and close the doors. They do not put, and we found out from one of the other leadership people that they do not put anything out on their billboard or anything because they do not want the wrong people walking into the church. So, and then at that point, Darren's like, well, what do we do? You know, do we plant in Denora? Or do we go to Cannonsburg because we already got a core team, we already got a budget, we got a building, we got everything. What should we do? I can, we cannot build a church there without the congregation coming behind us. Um, it's impossible. So that's when I realized, wait a minute. We're not going to survive and build up this church because, you know, sure, this building might be used for something else and hopefully another church and be built up from there, but so they could get something new in there and start anew. And for us trying to rebuild a church that is already dead, um, it's impossible to do. 
So that's how we ended up making our decision to go to Cannonsburg as opposed to staying in Denora. And it wasn't until we said, okay, we will stay in Denora, Lord. We will plant here. We then have uh, St. David's come to us and say, you know, we have everything. We, we just need somebody to do the preaching. We have it all. Will you do it? And we were like, Darren's like, what do we do? And I was like, we pray about it first off. <laughs> and then I guess after praying about it, you know, I came to Darren and I said, you know what? I, I think God's calling us to go to Cannonsburg because this is already dead here. And although Denora needs a good church, it's not like there's not other churches in Denora. And I think we can help them out maybe. But as far as planting here, that's not going to be in our future. But um, that's to give you a little bit about the Anglican Church, how we ended up deciding between Denora and Cannonsburg. And that's how we ended up where we're at right now. When she says Church of England, most of you probably picture that wedding service where it was very proper. And <laughs> But may I say, <laughs> that's not the picture. There are so many different variations of the Anglican Church that, listen, last Sunday we were singing, these are the days of Elijah, and people were dancing. and <laughs> so, <laughs> so, But God is, is so good. And I've been listening to Floyd as he's preached this series on you know, worth dying for. And all along as he's preaching that, and I'm hoping I'm not going to steal one of his closing messages in the series, but the thing is that, that he is worth dying for too. He's worth us laying down our agendas and our pride and everything in our lives that gets in the way and dying to ourself because he has a greater cause in mind for us. And when we submit to that, let, let, let me tell you something. I don't care what, I better not name names. I don't care what some of these churches go around telling you that when you lay it all down for Jesus, everything's going to be happy and a bed of roses and he's going to give you a Cadillac and a new house and all these wonderful things. (laughs) Forget it. (laughs) Forget it. Don't listen to them because you're going to be challenged. And the reason you're going to be challenged is because God wants to grow you into something stronger for his kingdom and for his glory. It's not about us. It's all about his kingdom and it's all for his glory. Nothing that you and I do in this life, you weren't saved unto yourself. You were saved for his glory and for his honor and to bless him. You were saved to be a light for him and to accomplish the purpose of his kingdom for his glory. I've got one little thing I want to share with you. In the back, I took the little New Generation Fellowship cards off the table last night or yesterday when I was here, snuck them off of there because as we were praying about this and just going through this, God said, I want you to have a new identity as you go into this. So the church plan is called Missio Dei Anglican Fellowship. Most of you are going, what in the world does that mean? Missio Dei is Latin for mission of God. So we're on God's mission. This is all about Him. So our little... Y'all can't see this, obviously, but our little motto for the church is proclaiming His message and fulfilling His mission. So would you pray for us in that, that we in Cannonsburg would proclaim His message and fulfill His mission to those people. Those cards are back there on the table. I want you guys...
If you would, if you'd commit to pray with us, take that card. It has the prayer needs. It has the address of the church on the back of there. Um, we're currently in the process of, of building a brand new website specific to our vision for the church that hopefully I can get to you guys. I'll let Floyd know when it's up and he can tell you guys about it. But pray for those needs on there. We're, we're planting with a, a team. We've got co-pastors working with us. Don and Kathy Bushyager are their names. They're working beside us and helping us. And they've been a blessing. I mean, really a blessing to me. So grab the card. Please don't grab it unless you intend to use it to pray and support us and hold our arms up. Don't use it as a refrigerator magnet or ever. Use it as a commitment to pray. There's, there's something that we say at the end of all of our services, and it, and, it, and it ties so much into this message that you guys have been going through over the few weeks. And I should have asked Floyd to put it on the thing, and I, but I didn't think of it till this morning. God placed it on my heart just this morning. And um, I want you guys to help me out with this just a little bit. And... I've got like three things that I'm going to say. And I'm going to say, we're going to do some responsive type reading stuff, kind of like we do in the Anglican church. (laughs) So I'm going to say these things, each line. And then all of you guys, I want you to respond. We send to the cross of Christ. Can you say that once? Awesome. Check this out. We, We stand in church after service and we've got a big old cross on the wall kind of like this and we're not saying we send it to this thing but it's symbolic that that everything that you all have been talking about Jesus did it all so that we can send everything in our life and set it upon his accomplished finished work so here goes all of our problems we send to the cross of Christ all of our difficulties we send to the cross of Christ all the devil's work, we send to the cross of Christ. Now here's the final line. We're going to say, we set on the risen Christ. All right? You ready? All of our hopes, we set on the risen Christ. Amen. You guys give him a minute. Thank you. Uh, real quick. Before we close, um, I just want to share something with you. Um, as the band makes their way up, we uh, we sometimes don't think of the sacrifices that we make for God. But sometimes we make some harsh ones. And when we make them for God, no matter how harsh, they are always the right ones. And um, I'm, I'm kind of praying right now, God, give me the wisdom to say this because I don't want it to come out the wrong way. But I just got to be real for a minute and, and just we're the church. We can do that. Uh, but some of you guys know years ago, this church was just at the point of the church that Darren and Trish were talking about. A handful of people, and they were getting ready to close. They were at that point. And... Uh, I don't know how to say this. I'm going to spit it out and we'll, we'll clean it up later. But uh, there was some racial tension at the fact of having me come here. Some because I'm black. Can't help it. Been that way since birth. <sighs> but some 
was because I was married to a white woman who she can't help it. She's been that way since birth. And uh, I can remember uh, when we came up here a couple of times, we came here um, uh, a couple of times so uh, that I could, you know, preach from the pulpit before we, we moved here. And there were some people that uh, there was one guy in particular who sat with his arms crossed and just stared straight, not like you, John, but <laughs> uh, with, a, <laughs> with, a, with a mean look on his face because he was set that no matter what you say, no matter what God says through you, I am, I, he wanted me to know that I am opposed to you. And there was someone who sat right next to him, arms crossed, but head turned, was here each time I came, but would not even look or acknowledge my presence. And for some of you, the sacrifice, now, Christian, I've told you this before, we made a sacrifice coming here. We, uh, you know, gave up. We had jobs with more money and all that stuff, but we wanted to be committed to what God was calling us to do and took like a 73% cut in pay. And I was sharing with someone a couple of weeks ago, not in a I wish way, but just talking about it, that I remember the days in corporate America when I got a bonus. It was like five, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Like the bonuses where you go out and buy a car or, you know, do something awesome with it. And we gave all that up to come here. But some of you that are still here and some people that are still here but are not here today, you guys gave something up too because you lost some family and some friends because you stayed here when other people thought that you should not because you felt that this is what God was calling you to do. And there are some of you that not only lost family and friends, but you still to this day, people that won't talk to you because you're here. Because you felt that this is what God called you to do. When we voted to, like, you know, make all these changes, um, I was sharing that story with someone uh, a few months ago. I was literally in tears because when we made that vote, uh, everyone had to, you know, fill out their little sheet. And I can remember um, Karen Sloniker came out and she handed me the tally. Now, the weird thing is, if you know Karen, she's, she's, I don't know what, she had a look on her face that I couldn't tell if she was happy or sad. She just handed it to me, and I looked at it, and it was unanimous. I still have it up at the house, every single vote. I just keep them as a, just an awesome, awesome testimony to what God is able to do. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And just bow your heads for a minute. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, come forward or anything like that. But if you have ever had to give something up to be in God's will, I want to pray for you. If you had to, the hardest thing, we, when we give up money, it kind of hurts a little bit. The hardest thing to give up is people. The hardest thing that God had to give up for us was his son, Jesus Christ. And there are some of us here that we've had to leave people. We've had to leave friends. We've had to leave family. Some of us, because of, of, of uh, wanting to be within God's will, we've had to walk away from jobs. We've had to take lower paying jobs. You've had to move into different areas, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but you do. If you've ever had to give something up so that you can be in God's will, I just want to pray for you. God, we are extremely, extremely, extremely blessed. Even 
when we're going through a sacrifice because we are doing it for you. As Darren said, you are worth us giving up everything. Everything for you. And you gave up everything for us. Literally gave up your life so that we can live. And we thank you and praise you for that. And for the people here who have given up family or friends or relationships or lifestyles or homes or jobs or whatever it is to be in line with your will, I pray that you would speak to them right now. Let your spirit encourage them and strengthen them. Let them feel not our encouragement, but your spirit just empowering them right now to know how much you love them. God, as we read through your word, we read people uh, time and time again, Old Testament and New, who gave up things. Abraham left his family and moved. Paul gave up his entire previous way of life to be committed to you. God, we pray that when it comes time, if we haven't done it yet, for us to make that call, to make that sacrifice that we don't hesitate, that we remember all that you gave up for us and know and trust and believe that just as you look at us and say that we are worth dying for, that as Darren said, we look at you and know that you are worth dying for. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, really quickly, I hate for us to leave on this. Oh, we sacrifice sad note. Uh, so I want to I want to share this with you. Um, uh, there was a, a a guy who we don't think of when we think of sacrifice. How many people know Hank Williams Sr.? Anyone familiar with him? Okay, uh, not the person that comes to mind when you think you know godly settings. Let's sing his songs in church, right? But he did in 1948. He wrote a song called "I Saw the Light" because he was going through a struggle. And he was looking at all that God gave up for him. So we're going to sing that song. It's a very God-honoring song. And, as, and, you know, as you guys know, we don't differentiate hymns or contemporary. Any song glorifies God. We want to use it to lift it up to him. So I'm going to ask you to just join us in singing this song. And uh, I'll come up and close this out in just a minute. One, two, one, two, three, four.